0: Subject, or perhaps I should say, the question for the evening talk is what is meditation? Sometimes, both East and West, we have been exposed to perhaps rather a considerable variety and uh, forms and expressions in the world of meditation. And we know both in various religious and spiritual traditions, in contemporary expressions of them, which don't uh, necessarily have any uh, direct connection with the past, we might say that there's such a range which is available to us wonder what, what is meditation? What usefulness, if any, does it have? What, what part in our life can it actually play? And sometimes the interest in the field of meditation perhaps has emerged out of some degree of unrest or dissatisfaction with the trust and the belief, and sometimes the naivety of belief, which assumes that thinking can solve problems. And you and I have been persuaded along these lines for a considerable period of time. And sometimes we embark on a stream of thought, and this, whatever it might be, really occupies our attention and then we find ourselves thinking about thinking and there's some kind of hope, probably a a rather forlorn hope, that if we keep on thinking long enough and loud enough with our brain so to speak, we'll come to a solution, we'll reach an answer in some way or other. And the difficulty of that is that sometimes we do. But sometimes we actually think and we think. And then finally, for whatever reasons that may they may be, from exhaustion to uh, insight or whatever, we actually come to a conclusion. And upon that conclusion, which we have... Uh, Uh, work towards with such diligence with our thinking, then we can then do what we want to do in whatever form expression that may be. But what we also find with the streams of thinking that take place is that we keep on thinking and thinking and thinking and then we kind of thoroughly exhaust ourselves, we just haven't got enough energy left in the cells to drum up another, yet another, thought. And we we fall into some wishy-washy, sleepy state for a few minutes or hours or years. (laughs) Only then we kind of start to wake up. And it seems that the very waking up, not in any spiritual sense, coming out of snoring I'm referring to here, that in that process of uh, waking up, the issue which troubles us or a fresh one begins to, the wheels of it, begin to turn yet again and again and we've become creatures of habit creatures who are servants of thought and we look at this life we look at everything through the machinations of the thinking mind and we've got a kind of religious belief, one might dare say, in the authority of thoughts, in the determination of thoughts, in the judgments of thoughts, in the analysis of thoughts, in the comparison of thoughts, in the decisions of thoughts, in the belief of <coughs> thoughts, we have elevated into a kind of supreme Godhead, the world of thought, as a supreme measure of what truth is. And then we ask ourselves, what is meditation? What is meditation? So then we have this exposure, as I mentioned, to a variety of schools of meditation, a variety of (coughs) traditions of them as well. And with this variety of schools and traditions, even in one singular, single tradition, like insight meditation tradition and example, one again has tremendous diversity of ways of regarding and thinking and giving consideration to this field of meditation. And if you sit here for a few days, you hear someone like me speaking about it, and if you go anywhere else in the village, you go to other parts of India, east or west, you get the diversity of this. And one of the common factors of those of us who explore and speak in the field of meditation is that each has a certain conviction of the rightness of the view. You speak to any meditation teacher, he or she isn't going to be speaking to you and saying, well, I've really got doubts about the meditation (laughs) that I'm teaching. You're going to get the the variety and range of what meditation is, and one will find, with that range, a strong uh, conviction behind the thought of the value of meditation. Who are you going to rely upon? Whose word are you going to take? When we come into the process of meditation, the general image which comes to my mind in the most uh, outer extent of what is meditation is so often associated with the form. So that when you and I we are sitting, when we are walking, there's a reasonable straightness to the posture, there's a reasonable uh, uh, degree of care and attention to the moment, we say, we might say of that moment, when one is a conscious human being being here, being with the present and interested in the present we say, this is a moment of meditation this is a moment of being of conscious life and the, the very extraordinariness that you and I have and a very, very rare thing in this vast universe that human beings of this wonderful and unusual capacity to be aware of life. That you and I can be conscious of life, but more intimately than that in a way, that you and I can actually be conscious of our existence, conscious that we are. And that we don't feel ourselves to be utterly biologically determined, We don't feel ourselves to be conditioned genetically, karmically, or whatever, in every circumstance and situation. We have this extraordinary thing that human being, she, he, us, we can stop, be still, and be conscious of our existence. Not just propelled along by the forces of eating and... Sleeping and doing, but something that brings consciousness to this moment. This capacity for this, this ability that a human being has, I say that is a moment of meditation, but more importantly, in a way, I would say that moment of being a conscious human being is to be human. It is the lovely feature of our existence that we can meditate. We can stop, we can be still and we can bring whatever we might call it, some energy, some capacity, something unordinary to consciousness to make us acutely aware of what's happening in this moment. And in that moment that a human being does that in the form of the sitting in the form of the walking or in any other situation and brings consciousness to bear in that moment you and I we express our humanity we express our aliveness of of our taste of being on this earth who would wish to dispense with meditation who would wish to discard that wondrous capacity and say I don't need meditation I don't need to be still and to, to be aware of the, of, the, of the pregnancy of life of course <coughs> if it was just our capacity to be conscious in the moment. I would, still would not say that expresses the full capacity of a human life. Sometimes, fleetingly, very fleetingly, we are conscious at the moment. We do notice that we have some immediacy of connection. And then sometimes, both in this uh, Dharma hall here and elsewhere, one hears about methods and about techniques. And we say yes there's conscious life but does meditation with method and with technique have some usefulness some part to play one can have whoever you ask you get the various ranges of answers and responses too you ask somebody like me it's obvious what i'm going to tell you since I have been sitting here along with Norman and Sharda saying be aware of the breathing, be aware of the body, be aware of the sounds today as we expand out the field of attention. And so a person could only <coughs> conclude from that ah, in this process that's taking place in this hall, there is a definite and very clear instruction, hopefully very clear, I'll put that in inverted commas for a moment, there is some instruction which is taking place And this instruction is saying meditation to allow and to enable and include method and technique. To be with the breath is a method and technique. To sit with one's back straight is a method and technique. To observe the body and explore what's going on in this physical organism and all of its diversity is an approach with object having a certain priority. No question of it. Then we begin to observe this breathing life, this bodily life and then in that observation as one person observed today and his thought no doubt and wisely I think reflects other thoughts one says yes but surely there's something terribly mechanical about it. What point you know, in which I return to the breathing experience and then I'm asked and invited and encouraged and persuaded and cajoled into returning to it yet again and again. And then the person said, but when I do that, what I notice, what I begin to see is how mechanical my life is. (coughs) It's not just returning mechanically to the breath, again and again but hopefully and that is certainly part of the function of the process of meditation it is to make things in our life stand out ruthlessly stand out for us so unashamedly we can't ignore anymore when a person says I'm sitting there and I'm observing my breath and I'm going back to my breath and I'm regarding it as just as mechanical and it's just as mechanical as the rest of my life is I say thank goodness for meditation thank goodness for meditation and technique because it's doing its job (coughs) it's showing oneself how wretched one's existence is if it's mechanical (coughs) are we going to live mechanically? and we're going to live with our life simply pushed and pulled by the circumstances of existence, hardly conscious, hardly in that spirit of the decency of a human being because we're pushed and pulled by one event or the other. Where is the grounding of this? Sometimes we are sitting and walking formally as we do here and uh, informally as we also do here. And sometimes in the very process of that sitting, we're having some interest in life. Life is here and now, of course, no other life. And we're taking some interest in that, and then we noticed. This movement of mind, of activity going on. And sometimes we say, and if we, in these situations we have to, we need desperately, I would say, a sense of humour about our existence, otherwise it's hopeless. And sometimes we say to ourselves, or we say in a small uh, group situation, we say, I'm sitting and I'm walking, but I'm never here. This is really a remarkable statement that we can make. I'm just never here. Where the hell are we? I'm never here. What the hell have we got ourselves into? That what we are lived into, (coughs) the life which is, we are not breathing, the life is breathing us, remember. Life is telling us it's all going on here, And somehow or other, we've become so distanced from all of this, we say in our more truthful moments of (coughs) self-honesty, I'm never here. I don't know whether I've been born or whether I haven't. I don't know whether I'm on this earth or wandering around in the nether realms up there and occasionally paying a small visit down to earth. I don't know where I am. (coughs) And it seems that sometimes it's as though the circumstance of life around us has to impact upon us in such a way that it shakes us into the here and now. And when we are sitting and our knees are screaming for mercy Mm. when when we are sitting there and there's some issue going on in our emotional life or there's something going on and it's gripping us or even if it's the fury which arises because the person uh, sitting uh, next to you prefers to put their fingers up their nose rather than to watch their breath. <laughs> the all of that in a way sometimes is it where forcibly says <coughs> this is life. This, this is what is going on with this moment, this is moment, whatever this moment is, is showing right where you are right now, right where I am, through the event of the environment, through the social impact which (coughs) says, wake up please, don't go to sleep. And I say, that moment of being conscious, that moment of being alert, That moment, I call a moment of meditation, that moment is the key to liberation and enlightenment. Sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, (laughs) with meditation, unfortunately, there's a hell of a lot of baggage with it. And this baggage um, concerns me, and I want to make uh, a quote from a teacher that a number of you have been to visit here and may possibly visit uh, afterwards, and that is uh, Punja, who lives in uh, now and he has made a, a, a very useful uh, observation, and it's worth reminding you of, that sometimes in the relationship to the uh, conscious life, which is a spiritual life, is same thing. We bring the baggage with us. And some of the expressions of this baggage which we bring is the views about meditation in relationship to direction, to goals, to pathways, to the spiritual journey, to practices, and so on and so forth. And so there's the conscious life. Then there's The baggage. Some of that baggage is being carried because of these uh, various uh, books. Sometimes the baggage is carried because of a kind of feeling that one has in terms of progress and development. Sometimes the baggage is carried because of what we the authority figures put out to you. But I do think it's important for a person who's interested in immediacy of things to be able to distinguish the baggage from the fact, the baggage from the here and now. To give a small example of what I mean here, um, one person, and I've heard it from others as well, said, oh, in vipassana practice, and small aside here, I never did have much appetite for this word, vipassana. It's a far too long uh, concept. I have suggested for more than 20 years that we get some inspiration from our Zen brothers and sisters, and we, s- and rather than use this mouthful of a concept, we pass an hour, We just drop it and just call it vip. And this would be, but the teachers and their attachments—they never listen. Anyway, <laughs> so there is... so then when here's this we pass an hour, which, <coughs> and there is often quite a lot of misunderstanding. I do feel in the tradition around this then. What I would say that it is, that I personally don't feel I teach Vipassana, I must add here. I don't feel that um, i uh, concern so much with um, method and technique, though there's an application of that, of course. And I prefer, and I like to think in my more self-flattering moments that there's uh, some uh, inspiration from the Buddha here, and that is, we meditate. We are engaged in meditation, and from time to time, in the field of meditation, insight arises. I don't think one can teach insight meditation method and technique, actually, no matter what the uh, various uh, people may say. I think what we are here, we are engaged in the process of meditation, which is the same thing as saying, I am interested in conscious existence, in the course of this conscious existence today, right now, it may be as a blessing, as a gift, as an act of grace. But in that, there may come insight. From what? From where? How? Nobody has ever realised or known. But it from where? But it comes. That moment, as there is a the meditation, and the insight comes, and then it's, it brings its own blessing. <coughs> Sometimes. And I swear sometimes I uh, rub a little bit on some of my uh, uh, teacher friends, and not to or Norman, I must add very quickly here. <laughs> <laughs> but like sometimes wow. teacher friends, <laughs> we pass on our teacher friends, will, will, should I say this? I'm going to get my, st- I always get my toes tramped on. Anyway, some teacher friends will say, there is meditation, we or whatever, and it takes a long time to become a free human being, it takes a long time to become a realized human being, and one really has to do a great deal of much of meditation practice for many months and many years and even worse for many many retreats. <laughs> and some will say, I have been practicing this charged concept in these circles, I have been practicing for so many years, and therefore, because I have been practicing for so many years, it takes so many years, and if it's like that for me, then it's definitely going to be like that for everybody else, and therefore, I don't want anybody else to get liberated or free, because it will show that I have been practicing all these wretched years, (laughs) and uh, it's unfair. So let say that when teachers, or um, meditators, or um, what's the word, uh, senior yogis, when hears this, <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything so daft in all my life, but anyway, when one hears these kind of statements which come out of practice and it takes years and years and years, or, or lifetimes or whatever. I would say when you hear that, no matter who you may hear it from, please hear it as the baggage. Please hear this as a viewpoint which has entered into this conscious moment and that viewpoint is unquestioned and not examined. It's believed. It's believed in. It's get the thought, the belief has gained this authority are we going to give it that kind of authority are we going to reduce meditation to practice in time but it's an abuse of the whole meaning of it sometimes every every spiritual life every spiritual practice has its boons and its blessings <coughs> and its dangers meditation is no different no no different hi- here <coughs> this is why I want to uh, refer to Punjana in a moment, haven't forgotten him I'll get round to him and one of the things which does occur is when he says I want to be conscious this is something precious, I want to be conscious it's not a question of choice I just don't have any interest in living an unconscious life because an unconscious life isn't a life not even a life one, 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 one wouldn't even refer to oneself as a vegetable because at least vegetables grow and produce for us unconscious human beings, do not e- un- not even at the same level of, as vegetables, honestly. <coughs> and the vegetables would, would, would agree if they could talk to us. <coughs> so there is a relationship to life, we say meditation is conscious life, a real interest in what's going on as clearly as possible. But one of the dangers in that process is that when you engage in conscious life, particularly meditation with film and method, what does happen easily for some people is a disposition, shall we call it in the politest term, towards involvement in the object. Too much preoccupied with the object and that which can be a a contribution to awakening, to release, the very thing becomes a burden and a weight. What is our relationship to objects, objects, objects? What is the relationship to And so I think what does happen for some meditators who are caring and quietly disciplined and who wish to live with a full conscious awareness of existence, is that one is in a way engaged or involved in the objects, mind can be an object, observing the state of mind, observing the thoughts, observing uh, the body, pain, sensations, um, format of the body, observing the breath coming and going, observing the sounds, that in the relationship to that uh, observing which takes place, we begin with the mind to measure what we are doing. Through the kind of involvement or the relationships we have with the objects. That's sometimes not easy to uh, follow at this point, but (coughs) there's always hope. And in that listening to the objects, we begin to measure. So at the end of a sitting period, for example, one will say to oneself, oh, that was an awful meditation. And it was an awful meditation because I wasn't with or connected with the object that I chose to be connected with. In fact, it was the only thing I wasn't connected with the whole sitting. <laughs> 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 Human beings are wonderful. <laughs> the only thing that one says one is in this room for the only thing that one that doesn't experience in the whole period of time and sometimes in 20 days as well, (laughs) and and then one has made a measurement and then has said to oneself, very understandably, I can't be with this object, breath, body, or whatever, and I'm just going hither and thither, and then the other reaction which comes, which I referred to earlier on, I'm with this object, and so what? It's just mechanical, it's just repetitive. I'm just dragging my mind back to this object and trying to keep a connection with it. So as I say, sometimes in the relationship to objects, when we are not with them, we can feel, with the one we wish to be with, we can feel extremely dissatisfied. When we are with the object, we can feel extremely dissatisfied. Oh, what next? Then um, we come to the comment of uh, um, uh, Punja. Someone uh, today reminded me of this and he has said it two or three times before. And for those of you who uh, don't know Punja or Punja G or Papa G or whatever, is, incidentally, my name's Christopher G. <laughs> it's true. G stands for George. It's true. <laughs> Sorry, it's the slightest side. I go off on these sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the in, uh, with um, Punjab, he has g- he made a comment. Very uh, good comment for anyone looking and questioning life. And he is very skilled in this. He said, "Meditation is a postponement." This is a nice term. Meditation is a postponement. And asked a bit further what this means, and he has it's been said that, of uh, course, responded in different ways. And one of the ways which he has uh, responded to this statement, which he has made a few times, is to say that with that meditation, one easily gets lost in the objects, gets lost in the breathing experience, in the body experience, in the listening experience, and we gets lost in the objects. When we get lost in the objects, that somehow or other, that, to put it metaphorically, seems to block the light. We get so involved in having a good meditation, a clear meditation, a, uh, being a meditator, that somehow in that involvement in the objects, in the judgments which come with it, good, bad, right, wrong, the negativity and the positivity, all of that is the measurement of the experience of observing the mind, or observing the body, or observing the sounds. It it seems to invite very, very easily this duality. Lost in the objects, trying to have them just so and we can spend, as some meditators do, years lost in the objects. (coughs) And when we are lost in the objects, meditation is a postponement. Sometimes, and this happens at uh, Lucknow, from observation and conversations, and elsewhere, some people will say, How can you avoid it? it. If you sit and you are aware, if you sit and you're conscious, you're going to be touched, affected, influenced, impacted upon by the objects. Breathing object will come whether you like it or not. Body object will come whether you like it or not. Sound object will come whether you like it or not. So the object seems to keep entering our field of consciousness. Some is agreeable. Very agreeable. Qualities of calmness, depth of being, um, spaciousness, uh, relaxation, joy, delight, the sweetnesses of life. And some of of it, which is coming from heart, mind, body, environment, some of it is clearly extremely disagreeable, but in both cases it's the world of the object, (coughs) touching consciousness. And then some people have said, of a meditation, insight to meditation, call you what you will. it perpetuates objects, it perpetuates the indulgence in them. And the person must must listen deeply to themselves with this. <coughs> but what then easily happens and does happen, that the mind, which is unrealized mind, an unenlightened mind, then makes a new object some have made the new object punja himself what's the difference? history (laughs) repeating itself I say punja is a postponement (laughs) I say any object is a postponement I say meditation is a postponement in the way that uh, Punjaji wisely speaks of So it appears, appears important here, it appears that in our relationship to this world, that the world seems to reveal itself as a sequence and a multiplicity of different objects. We sit and we are facing and sometimes confronting this object and this object called mind and body. Seems too close for comfort sometimes, does not it? Sometimes we change that object, we're not so much observing the mind or observing the body, but we're observing something in a a religious form. It might be tradition, it can be a guru, it can be a system or whatever. But all is object. All is object. One says, is that what life is? nothing but the interfacing and the interchanging of objects agreeable and disagreeable what I appreciate and what I can't stand and quite can't tolerate and then we have said to ourselves with as much uh, heartfulness as possible regardless of this world of all of its diversity regardless of all that comes to me I wish to find out what it means to be a conscious human being. I don't care what comes in this world, let me be conscious and let me see whether the world is just separate, different objects as I believe or whether that's how I think it is, understand? Let me see, let me discover through my own experience and my own insight and realisation Whether this world, it seems to be lots of separate objects working together in conflict with each other, or whether that's just the way I think it is. And we're here to discover that in which our ordinary thinking is put aside for something other than that, which will change our life once and for all. when we're speaking of meditation here your disagreeable experiences in meditation may be providing you in that moment in that conscious moment of that disagreeable experience with an extraordinary insightful statement about your life it may be telling you something so clearly that you will only want to do one thing, and that is, respond to it. That sometimes, and it's rather sad and unfortunate plight of human beings, that sometimes human beings will only wake up spiritually in the face of suffering when actually the back is against the wall, when there is circumstances in one's life and there's the pain that goes with it, that sometimes it means that in order to question, in order to ask what is the truth of life. And I say here, finally, that it is not necessary at all for us to use willpower to start forcing pressure on ourselves to try to make something happen it's not necessary at all to think in terms of concentration and effort and those things which one somehow associates with meditation just be please quietly conscious (laughs) Quietly attentive and receptive to things. Not making demands on yourself as an object. Not making demands on what is occurring around you, those different objects, sentient or insentient. So being with today, being with life in an undemanding way. And trust. Trust, please implicitly in that in which one's not infatuated with objects however they may be showing themselves <laughs> and I say in that, in that experience in that sensitivity which is available <coughs> I say that conscious moment is the open doorway what can't come through effort, and striving, and struggling, and concentrating, and fighting oneself, will come through another way, as a gift, as an insight, as a realisation. So that we're not, when we're not putting pressure on the world of objects, then there's some opportunity for discovery. And these discoveries, the teachings have said again and again, are the jewels of life. May all beings live a conscious life. May all beings live with wisdom. May all beings be touched with the gift of things. So let us have two or three quiet minutes, shall we, together, please?